This episode of the Misal Podcast is a little different. Instead of a guest, I'm joined by a co-host. Her name is Nazish and she's the founder of Secret Stash, an online marketplace where you can buy and sell pre-loved bags, shoes, clothes and accessories. We start by discussing how her business is doing in the current economic environment and then we talk about Q3 startup funding. Let's listen in. Welcome to the Misal podcast, uh, Nazesh. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me, Zahid. Thanks for doing this uh, with me with uh, the quarterly update. I know we started out for talking about this in Q2 and then, you know, I was overthinking and it didn't happen because airlift happened and we had to like redo everything. So uh, this, is, yeah. <laughs> this is really great. But we are doing it really early and we can, you know, get this uh, episode out as soon as possible. So let's get started. Uh, uh, can you please just uh, introduce yourself and... Tell us, uh, what do you do? Um, so I'm the founder of Secret Stash. Secret Stash is a reselling platform in Pakistan that um, it's a curated online platform where women can buy and sell pre-owned 100% authentic designer items at a discount. So we have stuff from H&M to Gucci on our website. And what really differentiates us, and uh, we've been doing this for quite a few years now, is that we curate everything. So everything is checked for authenticity and condition. So people can, you know, be reassured that what they're buying is actually authentic and in great shape. So we're making sure that you, what you get is what you see and you have a great customer experience. So that kind of sums up what Secret Stash is about. And I'm the founder and I started this and this is what I do. So how are things going right now in terms of the economy? You know, there's floods going on and there's a little bit of not a little bit of, but a lot of political turmoil happening too. So how are things in terms of that? So, I mean, to be honest, this uh, quarter after a summer slowdown, the past two months have been really great for us. And I think what's been really interesting, if you keep everything in mind, right, is that even if people are traveling abroad, for example, we are a niche business and we have a focus, but a lot of people are looking for local options and they're also looking for alternative options, right? So even if you're going abroad, if you've managed to go on holiday or if you're looking to get a new wardrobe, right? Um, with, with the way the currency is at like 240, 250, it's like going up and down the dollar every single day, right? What it used to be like even six months ago is that you can't afford to buy a lot of things, right? So they are looking for alternatives. And so we've seen post summer that actually we've had like our best, um, best past two months uh, in terms of our sales for us. Um, but despite that, right, of course, the economic turmoil, the political instability, it's Pakistan, right? Like you just hope for some kind of like st- stable, like next steps, right? Because it's difficult. You don't know what's going to happen, um, what is going to be the next steps. And unfortunately, the floods, right? Like I think that climate change is a reality and um, it's just been really unprecedented. And I know that a lot, everyone's tried to play their part. We did our part in terms of trying to use our platform for good. That's something that I've always wanted to do. We do like an annual charity sale. Um, and we did one earlier in the year, but I kind of was like, you know, what can we do to give back? So we did a thing where 10% of our sales for a certain portion of time in August went towards like a couple of organizations doing fantastic work. And I think there's just this feeling of like, not knowing what's going to happen. That's how you kind of operate in Pakistan. Like we just kind of, I don't know if it's hustling or it's just, just figuring out and moving on. That's what you just have to do. If you're here, that's what you do. So that's where we're at. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I've never done anything like this in Pakistan, so I'm not going to, you know, try to put myself in your shoes, but doing business in any country in the world, even where 
you know, things are normal and stable is difficult. So I, I just can't imagine how difficult it is in a country like Pakistan to be a business owner. You never know what's going to happen next. Like you, I, I don't even know, like, you know, you would sit down and make like five-year plan, 10-year plan, if that's even possible. <laughs> yeah. When things are changing so much. I think so the floods was like really unprecedented in terms of, you know, the fact that it was like, we have a double whammy of like our economy and political instability. And then you have these catastrophic floods happening, right? And like for us on a smaller scale, we had some like um, shipment, obviously there was shipment logistic relays throughout, right? Like things couldn't get moved across the country. But in some places, like, you know, in August, a couple of orders which had to go to Quetta, someone had ordered stuff, we had to wait like 10 days. We're like, we're really sorry, but like the roads are completely washed out. They cannot get it to you, right? Like, and you know, it's like, we want to give you the best customer service, but like we had like a disclaimer on our website up for like two months, literally saying orders would be delayed because there were delays here. There, a lot of the courier companies were like backlogged, right? Then because um they weren't able to do it, and then suddenly they had like an influx of like all these orders that because they kept picking up stuff right from us in Karachi. Um, so it's you just you literally just kind of have to maneuver yourself and I guess it's been interesting that um, in my business at least right like globally it's like a big um, focus on being more sustainable uh, consumers based on the fact that climate change is such a big reality for us like you can't say it's coming right it's here and we I think we're proof this summer for that um, but interestingly that like, and so that's something where, you know, and buying secondhand and pre-love is just another way for you to be more sustainable and to sell your stuff. Um, and we try to put that out there, especially because it's a reality for everyone in Pakistan to actually see now. But I don't think at least a lot of people aren't there, at least for us, for for them in our market, it's more of an economic choice that you're making. Um, and let's be frank, the economy is really just like we all know what the situation is like and it's just like thank god we didn't default right like that was all that like was yeah i don't know what would have happened if that had happened but yeah until the next elections happen i think the things will not be stable but let's see what happens how long have you been in business so i um started secret stash i was doing it uh, for a few years part-time but i started it actually in december 2014 so i used to work in corporate um, at, I was at Unilever and I have like a career previously in media and advertising and stuff. Um, and then I launched this in December. So I quit my job with this idea, like way back. Okay. And I took me a few years. I was doing a lot of, um, doing it as a side hustle. And I think in 2017 is when I went full time with this, where I was like, okay, let's just try and make this happen and see. And it's been, yeah, it's been an interesting journey. So you were also part of the I2I accelerator, right? Yeah, so I how did was that. that experience? I did that a few years ago. And that was my first real experience within the startup community. And I think for me, that was really good because I made some fantastic connections. I'm still friends with a lot of people who were in my program. And, um, you know, of course, like the people who ran the program as well. Um, and I think that was really good to, you know, connect with founders and be in a space with them. And the program was run in a great way as well. So it was a fantastic experience. I really enjoyed that. And I think, um, you, you know, the more we try to do stuff within the, you know, like, I think they were one of the first people in the ecosystem and stuff to have like an accelerator program and stuff. Um, I didn't choose to go the funding route. I had that option because I think I have the perpetual 
solo founder struggle. <laughs> do I run the business okay. or so, do I raise? So I haven't raised. I'm a bootstrap business. So you you run this whole thing by yourself? Yeah. I mean, I have a team, a couple of girls. Like we're a female-led team, but it's me. Yeah. You, do you have a life outside of work? Yeah, or you, you know. 24/7? No, no, I'm not. You know, it was one of the choices I made where I was just like, I know, I get it. Like everyone, like, I think if you're an entrepreneur, your brain's kind of always working. Even if you're just like, without realizing it, you see something that catches your eye or you're browsing on like social or something. Um, and you are connected. It's not like that because of being an online business. But I'm like really like, it's been re- it's always really important to me that to have a work-life balance and to have like solid like hours. So we have, we are an e-commerce business, but we have like set hours, like my team comes in and we start like at like a very reasonable hour. We start late, but it's like, we start at like 10.30, right? And I'm like, okay, come on time and then leave on time, right? So when we're working 10.30 to 5, you know, we're just like nonstop. Like everyone's just working because I'm just saying work smart. I don't believe in this concept of burning the midnight oil. I don't know, at least it's not for me, right? I'm like, I want to do other stuff. And yeah, I know that with the phone always attached to us, right? You're always connected. So you can always see what's going on, like if orders are coming in or, you know, messages on social and stuff like that. Uh, you know, things get posted and you have so many apps which allow you to just run things a little bit more automatically, right? Like my website's run on Shopify. I use like, you know, a schedule, like a scheduling app for all our Instagram and social, like Facebook posts and stuff to be going up, right? So as long as we have to be like, I don't know, I don't believe in that. Like, I think your life, your life, I think would have been different if you had raised money. 100%. Um, and I'm not saying it's off the table because I get it, right? Like, it's always like, it was, I want to grow the business and the next step is to scale it. And, you know, is this one other way? And it's just, you're just like, okay, I don't know, not a chicken and egg, right? But like, how do you, how do you balance it out? And I guess it's not like I was averse to raising because of, I don't, I was like, I don't want to work harder. I think I work pretty hard because I've built like a business. I just work smarter than other people. Maybe if they're working really long hours, who knows what would happen. And maybe we do raise, I don't know, but. So now is actually a good time to raise money. Uh, I say that because, um, startups actually have to show revenue now or like a projection for revenue back in the day or maybe like you know a couple of years ago that might not have been an issue uh but now i think it's it's very important to vcs to see that the startup but is making some money the economy sorry like but it's like the there's an economic slowdown and there's like all these other factors which will come into play um aren't the deals or whatever the word correct word if i'm getting this wrong more conservative like aren't people like the valuations are going to be lower or there's going to be less people willing to put money on the line i don't know that's what the assumption was that's i'm really surprised to hear that's really interesting for you to say this yeah so because I, the reason i say that because of course like we will talk about this later but the startup funding of course for q3 has gone down compared to like previous quarters and previous year and all that but what's happening now is the valuations are coming down to the level where they're supposed to be and especially if you have revenues and the vcs are not betting on someone making a f- you know revenue in future and you already have revenue so you can show the revenues and show the projections which gives them a lot more confidence than a startup that comes in and says, hey, I'm pre-revenue. I'm, I don't know if I'm going to make money, but here's a great idea. Please fund it. So you are a lot more safer bet for a VC than a typical, you know, idea stage or pre-seed stage startup. I guess it's it's very it's very like difficult to wrap your head around all this because like to be honest, I'm a, like my background, I'm not a finance person. Um, I'm a mar- like my background is marketing, right? So it was I had an idea and I was like, let's do this. And I can 
say the way the market itself in terms of just the pre-love space, right? Like no one even knew in Pakistan what this word pre-love meant. Um, and like the global phenomena of like with COVID, right? Like even globally, the resale space accelerated. Um, I've seen so many people come into this space right now. And I think it's just about the buy growing and stuff. Um, but I guess it's also like, because it's you know, not like necessarily a numbers person and I'm in talks with people to help me, advise me in that space. You're like, you know, a lot of people are like, should you be, if you go down that route, do you go the VC route or do you go like, you know, finding individuals like angels or whatever to help you to raise, like you don't necessarily want to go that way. And it's just, when it's not your necessarily a domain, it's also like, I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense yeah. to you, know, do you know what I mean? So, no, 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 of course it's it makes sense. I mean, you yeah, don't, yeah, it's intimidating. It's overwhelming. You don't really have to raise money if you don't need to. If It could just be a lifestyle business. And I think there is absolutely no harm in that, uh, in growing a lifestyle business where you're your own boss and you hire a few people and you keep the show running. So that's 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 all well and good. But if you have like aspirations to go the next level and all that yeah. stuff so that that's the that's the time when you would reach out to vcs and angels for like growth capital the vcs or the angels might have the connections and the resources that you might need and they will of course deploy money as well as those resources and yeah you, know, you can I mean, do whatever you feel like at that time once you have those resources well i mean i think that like it's reached a point where it's definitely more than a lifestyle business where it's like where I mean we've done like really built a brand in the space and like you know all of that and like really growing and hoping to accelerate so I think the plan is to take this next step kind of let's see what happens in reality but that is the hope and the plan to scale and grow and let's who knows maybe this is in the cards I hope it is so we were previously talking Zayed about the fact that um, it's been a bit of a slowdown and obviously we of course know that there's an economic downturn and everything so what's the impact been on startups this quarter in Pakistan yeah so uh, as far as the startups go uh, of course uh, Kulsoom and Matahir both uh, released their amounts and they I usually follow them and my amounts are very much similar uh, to Matahir's uh, basically what happened in Q3 of course is everything is down the amount raised went down the deals went down 55 million dollars in disclosed uh funding uh nine startups and what else 69 percent drop from 175 million in the third quarter of 2021 and 47 drop from 103 million dollars in the second quarter so of course the funding has gone down deals have gone down by like 50 percent uh, compared to both previous quarter and last year last year's q3 and it was, but in the end, it was eventful uh, quarter, uh, I would say. That's because, uh, you know, the airlifting happened, which I, we just talked about, that that's the reason we couldn't do the Q2. Uh, because when airlift happened, like it was, it didn't make sense to just talk about the fact that they had layoffs in Q2, right? Because it was a big deal. It was a most well-funded startup and like it shut down, right? That's why we didn't do Q2. But now we can talk about it. But um, another big thing that happened in Q3 was... Uh, DigitalOcean acquired Cloudways uh, for $350 million. That's, I think, one of the biggest acquisitions in the tech uh, ecosystem in Pakistan. So that's a really big deal. So those both of those things happen. Like, you know, on one hand, you had a startup that, you know, raised $110 million and then failed in 3.5 years. And then you had a, a startup that, uh, not a startup, sorry. Let me rephrase that. It was not a startup. It was bootstrapped. 
Cloudway has never raised money from any outside investors, which is just insane. Like they bootstrap. That was the inspiration for me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, just because you bootstrap, I just feel there's like, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's just a lifestyle business, right? So I do want to put that disclaimer out there that I get offended when people tell me that it's a lifestyle business. I'm like, it is it just because there's no money injected in it doesn't mean that it's not legitimate and we've worked really hard for it, right? It's not a side gig. They're like, I'm like, you know, paying salaries or doing all that. We're bootstrapping. And there are always people who are inspiring like the story right now. I mean, you're not definitely not a side hustle or like a side gig or something. Yeah. Because, uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you pay salaries and you have an office and you know, there's a lot more going on. An extremely loyal business and orders coming in. Like, I'm just going to hold this. I'm not a lifestyle business. I'm not a fan of this term. <laughs> My apologies. I should not have said that. You're not the first person who said that to me. But I'm going to just... But you're the first so person I, who said this to me who I am calling out on after a few minutes. But I am. Okay. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, it's my lucky day, I guess. So, okay. I personally would want a lifestyle business. So that's why I, I usually, you know, I'm very, uh, you know, jealous uh, of people who have that kind of uh, business where, you know, you can... Maybe not you, but a lot of lifestyle businesses, like you can move around and like you as, as a business owner and you can still run the show, right? Yeah. Uh, I think that's what's very like, you know, enticing at least for me uh, if I could have that because I have to go to work nine to five. So yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess like the thing is work is also changing, right? Everywhere there are like different types of like, you know, hybrid models and stuff like that. But let's see what the future work turns out to be. For yeah, sure. yeah, you know, I, I'm very lucky in, in that sense, yeah. very privileged that I can work from home and all that stuff. So yeah, anyways, let's get back to so what were some of the highlights, the number of startups that raised funding nine, the sector with the most amount of funding, fintech, 36 million, startup with the biggest amount of funding, DBank, 17.6 million, which is also a record. Uh, and stage with the most deals is pre-seed four deals worth 9.6 million. What I wanted to just like give an overview of like why I feel what is happening in Q3 is why is it happening? The interest rate hikes from Federal Reserve started in, you know, March of 2022 and they have kept going up. But yeah, basically that's what's happening. Hiring is slowing down. Uh, layoffs are happening and all these little things are happening. When in Pakistan, things are a little different. There is double digit inflation. Uh, there are the floods. And all that is happening and, of course, the political turmoil. So that creates a lot of uncertainty. And one thing investors don't like is uncertainty. So that's kind of like, uh, you know, big picture look in terms of what happened in Q3. Moving on. Any questions? No, it's just a lot of numbers. I have read this uh, before and people's views as well. And I think the stuff that people are taking are the positives out of it in terms of the big stories. Um, in terms of some of the major developments, like you said, the acquisition and, you know, some like... Yeah, so, okay, so I am not going to go through every single yeah. startup that raised money because that's going to be, no. it's gonna, it's just going to be a waste of time. Let's not do that. Um, if anyone wants to take a look. So in case you're hearing on, you know, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, it's better to watch this uh, episode, just this episode, if you are interested uh, in all the numbers and looking at all the you know, the data that I'm sharing on screen right now. 
So there were three, basically three uh, big stories in Q3. Uh, first, of course, was airlift shutting down. Second was uh, Sequoia Capital investing in D-Bank. And third was the $350 million acquisition of Cloudways by DigitalOcean. I, so I never used airlift. I think when, air, like, I never used it. I was always, like, amazed, like, to be frank, when they raised the $85 million um, last year, we were all like, you know, why don't we see them anywhere, right? Even once and maybe they were not that predominant, at least in the area where I was in, in uh, Karachi. And I never heard of anyone I know personally who used it, right? But we were like, whatever. And then we heard in June that they were cutting like 31% of their staff. And then in July, they shut down, right? Like the rest of the world article, which said, um, how do you, what did it say? How do you burn $85 million in 11 months, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that, that, no, that, I don't know. That, that is insane. I have actually, when I was in Pakistan in March, I didn't see airlift, uh, you know, the bikes or anything. Uh, of course, I used bike, yeah, food panda and all that. Didn't see airlift. Didn't know anyone there in Pakistan, at least in my family, within my circle, uh, who had used or heard about airlift. So I was really surprised that they raised the kind of money they raised, even though they didn't have that much going on in terms of like, you know, uh, they were not there, like they were not visible. So yeah, and I think that like for everyone, the question was, right, like when you first heard um, in June that they were laying off people, and then when they shut down like a month later, right? So it was just, I don't know, like, I think a lot of people have read the articles. And yes, no one wishes um, negativity on anyone. And no one can take away the fact that they did put Pakistan in terms of the fundraising, but on the map, right? Like it was the fact that it was such a huge raise and um, you can't take that away. But I think for someone like me, at least in terms of conversations, and if you've read the follow-up articles and stuff like that, right? It's just, there seems to be like, not, not, I don't know if this is the right way to say it, but like lack of remorse, right? It was just like, we shut down because we couldn't raise a third round. And it's like, you burned $85 million in 11 months and you wanted people to put more money. And that's why you're saying that's why we didn't survive. Like, you know, if you, just reading the articles and the way they're talking about the operation mess up, right? It just seems that operationally it wasn't very sound. Um, and th some of that was very interesting. The fact that it was based on a lot of discounts. So they had people, they had a lot of retailers who were buying from them and then, you know, selling at a higher profit, um, and pilferage and, you know, whatever that kind of stuff going on. And so it was very interesting to read this article and a couple of, the, I think the one by profit, there were two by profit. There was the one, which was last year by profit, um, questioning that whether it be like, you know, I think we all know that one, but it's just, it's been very interesting, at least from my perspective and talking to people, it's just like, I'm just, to be frank, I'm like, I wish there was just a little bit, at least for me, that there's a little bit of remorse from like the founder's perspective from whatever I've read. It's very like, oh, we didn't uh, make it because there was a global downturn and we couldn't raise our um, CDC, I guess. And it's just like, it gave me a bit of Adam Newman vibes, which I'm sorry, is not, I'm not okay with. I don't know. It just didn't sit well with me. I'm just like, for me, that's what it was. Everything else is set aside. I'm just like some remorse in terms of perhaps we weren't running it the best way. But what are your views on this? Oh, okay. Uh, where do I start? <laughs> so airlift, so you mentioned the uh the profit article that came out last year, um, I wasn't really happy about that article because so they're like, so let's just take, take a step back. So when it comes to journalism, journalism, 
journalists are skeptical of everything, right? So it makes it very difficult for a journalist to understand or report on a startup because startups work in a different way. So there was a lot of criticism on that post also uh, that was on profit um, about how like the numbers that the article talked about were not real numbers. It was kind of like numbers that they were assuming were true and they were basing their entire piece on that. But Anyways, uh, so that article came out like, of course, some of the things in the article did make sense as to what they were doing and why they were doing it. For me, none of that, none of that was surprising because I'm so used to seeing that here because I am extremely well versed in what kind of economics or unit economics happen in startups. Uh, working at a startup helps with all that. So I wasn't surprised by any of the, you know, the unit economics or this, we don't, you know, this is how much they're losing every, every, with every delivery and all that stuff. Then of course, when something like, so what I feel like is like, because it got so much negative press after that article or like, you know, around, even in the ecosystem, everyone is like, you know, what are they doing? They have raised so much money. Like you don't even see their bikes or like, where, where is it? Like they don't have any coverage anywhere and like they don't have products most of the time etc etc so it wasn't wasn't operationally really well run uh you it, that was very obvious you know they spent a lot of money on people that they didn't need so there's a lot of financial mismanagement that's what it seems like but let's just say things didn't change the macroeconomic factors didn't change for airlift uh things were happening, everything was okay. They might still have been able to raise money this year, but then things didn't go their way, right, this year. And they spent a lot of money very quickly. Despite everything, if they raised like $85 million, they burned through it 11 months. They've expanded to another region, okay, which um, isn't, I don't think if I'm right, but it doesn't seem like it's a very similar market, at least from what I know about South Africa. So it wasn't really made sense to make it why they would pick that. Um, and, but then it's like, if the global downturn hadn't happened, they would have raised again. But that's where I'm just like, if the, like you do economics aren't making sense operationally, your business doesn't sound, how do you end up raising even more money than this? Right? Like, is no one doing any cross checks? Like, I just don't get it. Like, how does this like, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. That's just what I feel is like I'm a little skeptical about. And that's why I'm sorry, but I made the Adam Newman reference because I'm like, he's done it again. And I can guarantee that these guys are going to come back again with something else, um, with another company, which is going to be very well funded. And that's where someone like me who bootstraps the business where I'm just like, I don't get it. I just don't get it. I don't understand. And so it's very fascinating from the outside. I'm not in the space, but I don't get it. Like how are people so willing to write another check? Like, you know, if things aren't as operationally sound as they should be. So, so one thing I would say about Adam Newman is Adam Newman walks on water. I don't care what people think about him, but he has a certain kind of charm, the psychopathic charm about himself that it's like you've seen very few people so he walks on water so i think he can lose this 350 million dollars that he raised uh from Andreessen horowitz for his new like apartment complex and he will raise more money again right this, that, that, that <laughs> it's not a big deal right it's for for people like adam newman it's not a big deal as far as osman gul goes uh, i don't think he's that uh you know uh at least charismatic uh, in that sense he, he seems a lot more like philosophical type the idealistic type at least from what his, he's been posting on his blog sorry to cut you off i'm just saying there's no remorse right and that's where the comparison came in and for me that is just if we're talking about this and I know everyone can have different views this lack of remorse 
remorse is where the similarities and we're talking about personalities where you're like, yeah, okay, we burned through a lot of money and let's move on to the next project. And it's like, you know, I don't know, maybe he is analyzing like what happened, what went wrong, right? And the articles showcase that. And that's where it's just like, you know, do people not see what happened previously or you just have like hands of gold and you could just be like, give me your money. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's switch gears. Okay. There's a Sequoia Capital uh, invested in D-Bank. D-Bank, of course, if you remember, it's Tanya Idris. And she was the special advisor to Prime Minister a couple of years ago. I think uh, things didn't work out. Something happened. She had to quit. She had to resign. And then she went on to raise money. Back in April, she had announced that she had raised uh, money from Sequoia Capital, Kleiner Perkins, but the amount wasn't there. So the amount was disclosed in July. Why this is a big deal? Okay, so for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Tani Address, she was one of the you know uh, executive leadership at Google in Singapore. She left to you know come and do things in Pakistan with the Digital Pakistan Initiative, but that didn't work out and all that stuff. So now she's doing this. The reason it's a big deal uh, that Sequoia Capital is of course investing in D Bank is because Sequoia Capital is a household name, at least in the you know startup circles. Apple, there's Google, there's Instagram, LinkedIn. All these companies are the ones that Sequoia Capital invested in. I mean, it's really interesting, no? Because like um, I believe her co-founder uh, Karim is also um, from Google as well right and they both came back to Pakistan um, with um, this intent to work with the government and then it hasn't and so they've start, like gone down this route so I think it would be I mean they're both really smart people I know them like separately like I've worked with Tanya when I was at Unilever and she was at Google at that point um, and Quirum just uh, a little bit as well and it's just like they're both really really smart people and I think the fact that they've you know they have this intention and whatever I've read up on them it just seems like it should be really interesting. And I think the background you just gave right now on the kind of companies that Sequoia Capital has invested in and coming into Pakistan, um, hopefully, like, despite everything, right, like the economic downturn, the political instability, um, they're seeing something. And I think that gives everyone a lot of hope, right? Smart people don't usually last in Pakistan that long. So <laughs> I'm really ho hoping that they both do. Uh, both of them are extremely ex experienced and, uh, you know, their networks are, of course, uh, really vast. And you really do need networks. Uh, you know, I think one of the investors in D-Bank is Askari Bank. Oh, okay. I think they're working with a bank. Yeah, so they're working with a bank. Like, it's not like one of those things where you just they just raised money and then they'll figure it out. And I'm sure that will help them, you know, get the licensing and everything done quicker because they're working with a bank and a bank is actually taking interest in them so that's that's all that's all in it's it's a, it's a great start uh to something like i hope you know sequoia capital brings in other you know high profile investors to pakistan kleiner perkins of course made its second investment which is great also uh, i think the first investment was tajir so that's okay. great too they made that last year yeah seed round was 17.6 million so I, I don't know what's the series a and series b will be like but let's see the third thing was of course uh no <clears throat> I really want to say, uh, you know, I'm just going to say a big freaking deal, but I want to say something else, the different word for F, <laughs> but it, this is, a, this is, <laughs> this is, this is really a big deal. I, I just don't think it got that much coverage and it's really surprising because, you know, Airlift, of course, shut down, kind of, you know, had everyone talking about it and like it was a lot of coverage, but Cloudways did this and it did not get much coverage. Uh, this is a big deal in a couple of ways because uh, it's $350 million cash 
And when you do a $350 million cash deal, that's also a big deal because usually it's a stock deal. For example, the recent Adobe acquired Figma, that deal was uh, you know, $2 billion cash and like $18 billion in stock. Um, so that's like not that great of a deal for everyone uh, because the stock can go up or down. But this is like all cash. So no matter what happens, uh, they'll get all the cash. Uh, at least the founders will. I, I don't know what the structure was in terms of compensation there, but it was a bootstrapped um you know, business and uh, $350 million is, uh, has a lot of zeros. And <laughs> like, I really hope like this, this sets a precedent and, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, future, you know, tech companies that decide to like acquire companies um, or like, you know, bootstrap businesses look to Pakistan. Um, I, I have to mention here that technically that they are not based in Pakistan. Of course, the team is in Pakistan. The founders are in Pakistan and all that stuff. Uh, technically it's based in Malta. Uh, that's where it's, it's headquartered and they do that, uh, you know, startups do that or not startups, but the tech companies do that for a bunch of reasons. Um, I feel like it's here, it's done because of taxation reasons, but that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, the Gary Tech uh, group is part of, uh, you know, they ha it's a venture studio, so they have a lot more products than just uh, Cloudways and some of the products are pure VPN. I think I've used it at one point um, and there's Savior, Monday Express, uh, Web Affinity, and like in different categories, different products. So they're here to stay. Uh, I think they have a lot more promising products that might in the end either get sold or they might just run it themselves. Yeah, it's been interesting, I guess. Like, um, do you have any uh, predictions for Q4 then? What do you think is going to happen next quarter? Anything that you see for C? As far as the next quarter goes, uh, I really, really don't know. Uh, but I am thinking like, you know, anything can happen. You have to uh, make one prediction. That's what we'd agreed on. Each of us has to make one prediction that's going to happen. I feel like we might be able to cross the 345, $350 million in funding. That that I think we that might happen. And I think we might hear about one more acquisition or one or two acquisitions um, to end, end the year, basically. And that is it. That's that's <laughs> one of the predictions I have. Hopefully, uh, you know, uh, let's see what happens. And uh, if it does happen, like, of course, I'm going to brag about it on Twitter and everywhere else. But if it doesn't, then it's fine, too. Okay. What about you? Oh, can I be dramatic with the one who's doing, like, <laughs> excessive? I think another something else is going to crash and burn. I'm being so hard. <laughs> I think, okay, um, okay. I think that, like, from what I understand, um, not to be, like, I'm just joking there, but I think that, like, from what I understand, that there's a lot more... Um, Companies have to be more mindful of their burn rate and perhaps we're not being able to raise at this moment. For example, like you'd explained to me earlier, um, for companies who are, how, are making revenue, it's a better time. But if you're not or you don't have proof of uh, product um, in terms of that or the fact that you're, it's a down round or something like that. So maybe perhaps because of that, we might see another startup perhaps um having to shut shop i don't know i could be wrong and i hope i'm wrong i'm not wishing ill on anyone but it just seems that there it th these things go through cycles and not everyone's gonna survive and it is a tough economy right like we can't forget like we know we already talked about that so there are chances that perhaps that might happen i completely forgot to mention this but uh besides airlift uh yevo also, yes. Uh, yes. you know, uh, last week it was in the news that it, it will be shutting down. It's still, the website is still active and everything, but the reports are that it's going to shut down after eight years of operations. 
and a lot of prominent you know people in in the VC circle that were talking about it and all that stuff. So I'm pretty sure it's it's like a news that is actually true. I mean, yeah, I read that too as well. That Yevo isn't. I mean, it was funded by TCS, and I think that article which came out by Profit again um, was interesting. I don't know if uh, you got a chance to read it or not, but um, I think I guess it's a tough market to be right, especially where you have like a like a Daraz. Uh, and trying to compete with that and everything and being a logistics company getting into e-commerce i don't know it seemed like they had to inject a lot of money to keep it running um but let's see e-commerce business i mean you are in e-commerce business too right so e-commerce is difficult business so as a marketplace to having to compete with uh, the likes of daraz that has like enormous you know resources uh, behind it uh, it's probably was not that easy and in an economy like Pakistan, and you eight years, I guess it's enough time. And I think uh, Vava Cars also was in Pakistan for a few years. So I think people, I guess, you know, uh, tech companies or startups from other countries, you know, set up shop in Pakistan, see how it works out. And then, you know, if it doesn't, it's just a write-off for them uh, and they leave the country. So it's not a big deal. But of course, uh, it, the, the kind of effect that Airlift had, uh, I really don't think anyone would, you know, care about a Vievo, you know, shuts down. So, no, I mean, I just being honest. Yeah. Here. I mean, I think the fact that, like, and I don't think it had the impact in terms of or like Daraz does, in like we spoke about how many people actually use it. I don't. I never used it personally. Um, and I mean, DCS. It was a DCS run company, and I guess DCS is still, the, if I'm not mistaken, the biggest player in the logistics market in Pakistan. So I guess their focus probably shifted back to their core business um, instead of getting into this. And so, like, I mean, I don't think that even the announcement in terms of layoffs was not like the way the airlift 31 percent like maybe they absorb their people from there and stuff like that thank you for being on the missile podcast doing this quarterly update with me and of course we'll see if we can do another one uh sometime soon sometime next coming quarters and this was really fun thank you for having me Zai. it was really fun let's hope like what see what happens in the next quarter and if it's going to be as eventful as this one was thanks for listening to the missile podcast i hope you enjoyed the podcast and will thank me by writing a review or sharing it on social media. Make sure you follow and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Thanks again. See you soon.